Hello and welcome to The Gold Podcast. I'm your host for today, Jade Williams, Editorial Executive here at Gold, coming to you solo as illness has very sadly struck our dear Isabel this week, our usual host, but she should be back with me on the airwaves next week, flu permitting. For my takeover today, I'm going to be sharing with you a great conversation I had recently with Anita Raleigh, Director of Government Affairs and Inclusion and Diversity at Gilead Sciences UK and Ireland. Now, I do have to apologise before we get into this that my microphone audio may not be as up to scratch as it usually is. So we had a surprise leak in our offices over the weekend, which meant that our usual podcast studio was out of bounds. So I've had to relocate for the duration of this. But I promise you the quality of our conversation makes up for the lack of quality in audio. So... Anita, as I mentioned, heads up both the government affairs and diversity, equity and inclusion arms of Gilead UK, where she's worked for almost four years now. Prior to joining Pharma, she kicked off her career in public affairs at the Community and District Nursing Association, and throughout her career has led national and global policy projects across multiple organisations, including Bristol Myers Squibb and Leo Pharma. Her first foray into the pharmaceutical industry saw her working specifically on cancer policy, and this is something she's still incredibly passionate about. We covered a broad range of topics during our chat, but focused mainly on the concept of translating policy into action, something Anita is incredibly well versed in as both a leader in government affairs and diversity, equity, inclusion. Let's get into the discussion. Hi, Anita. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know you've had a few technical issues, but very happy to be finally audible on your side. It's great to be here. Lovely. All right. Well, so today we're going to be talking about translating policy into action. And I know that's something you're quite passionate about, having started out in politics, later moving into government affairs, I understand is a bit close to your heart. Uh, so to start out, I wanted to ask you, broadly speaking, what are the main challenges in implementing a new policy or idea within an organisation? I think there are three parts answers to that question. I think firstly and most importantly, you really do need that senior leadership buy-in at your country level. Uh, I think if there is an understanding and a commitment at that senior level, it really does unlock resources, it prioritises extremes and it drives activity within the organisation, which is really important. But obviously we don't all work in a silo and we're obviously a global company as well. So you also really do need that global leadership because that translates to activity in all the different countries that that you see. Um, and But I think it is quite particularly challenging there in that way, because it also means if you do want to change anything or do something quite specific to your market, your area, you do have to get that global buy in as well. And often. I've found through the work that I've done, these lots of policies are developed at a very top level in our US market, uh, global headquarters. So you have to work backwards from there. And that can be quite complex, challenging. And obviously, as a global organisation, they don't want to change things just in one country, because that would uh, trigger a whole raft of work and, and problems for them. So it does make it a little difficult at times, but nothing you can't overcome if there's will there. And then lastly, I think often it's what's forgotten, I think, is you do need that middle level management buy-in as well, because if the leadership team says this needs to happen and we really want you to commit time and support for this initiative, that's all well and good. But if your middle level management don't buy into it, it can start to slow things down and block um, progress. Great. Thank you for that. Yeah, definitely buy-in across the whole organisation seems to be the key there. 
Moving on now to your second role, which is head of diversity, equity and inclusion. Getting specific initiatives to be successful, I hear, can be quite a challenge. There's lots of um, different intricacies to work with. So the first question I wanted to ask you regarding this sort of section of your work was, how can companies best attract diverse talent into their workforces? I think it's a really important question and one that we're looking at very actively at the moment, because the environment that we all operate in it, you know, there, are, there are real, it's a real complexity in trying to solve issues and deal day to day. And if you if you recruit the same type of people, you, you're going to struggle to come up with innovative solutions and ideas to really deal with the, the challenges that we face as a company. So it's so important. But how we do it um, means that we're going to have to do something differently. And if you just go to the normal networks and just put your adverts out in the normal way, you will attract the same people. So the an area that we're looking at at the moment is to see if we can reach more diverse networks, really actively engage with different communities to see if we can bring in different perspectives, really try and change that funnel at the top of, of applicants that come in. And then secondly, to really look at the interview process itself to really ensure that we don't put off candidates or we get the best out of different candidates as well and that there's a level playing field which is not easy to do because you still want to make sure you recruit the best person but we probably are missing um, a lot of different perspectives but by taking the same approach as we do at the moment and why it's also important is the diverse workforce that you do have you need to continue to replenish it because you need to see a diverse workforce to attract a diverse workforce so it's kind of chicken and egg but they're so interlinked and what we have found is that for this first step into this area to try something different we will probably look to work with some third-party providers that specialize in this because it's we're very aware that it's not something we can do on our own it's great it's great to see that commitment you guys have to diversity and after all of diverse workforce benefits a greater range of diverse patients at the end of the day as well so it's great to see that initiative from you guys Going on to my next question here, um, speaking of a workforce and keeping employees happy, what are the key pillars of a work environment that allows employees to be themselves? I think first and most importantly, it's about people feeling valued and seen by the organisation um, so that they can come to work and be themselves. I think the very nature of the work that we do at Gilead Sciences and the areas that we work in has meant that Many people feel comfortable um, bringing themselves to work. We work predominantly in HIV, and that then is a, is a very different environment from, say, traditionally oncology, for example. Um, so that's also changed the culture of, of the company in many ways. I think we are probably further ahead in our understanding and working with different communities and making sure that people feel represented, particularly patients, in the work that we do. But I think importantly, to really make the shift, you also need to ensure that it's part of the culture of the company and that it's also in people's goals and objectives for the year ahead, because ultimately then you're really going to drive change and create that really positive environment. And, and secondly, you really do need to ensure that you create a really psychologically safe environment, an environment that people can really express ideas and concerns without feeling judged. And that takes time. And often that is requires some difficult conversations around difficult topics um, but it's in the, the benefit of doing it and getting it right is so important and ha is so uh, impactful. Definitely difficult conversations to have but 
possibly the very most important ones to be had to make sure people are happy. Um, and one forum I imagine that these might take part in is in employee resource groups. I know that you head up the one at Gilead. Uh, so I want to get your opinion on why it's important to have ERGs in an organisation. And do you have any tips on how to ensure these groups are successful? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of scepticism about ERG groups and they're often full of people that are really passionate and committed about this topic, which you do need because they are the kind of the power that drives all the activities throughout the year. Um, but I think what it does is there's getting wider buy in from the organisation is, is more challenging, but I think it's really important. But it also provides a great network and visibility for people that maybe often aren't part of leadership teams at a senior level. Um, you get a lot of exposure um, for being part of running events and activities um, across different departments as well. So I think it's really good for people to be part of. Um, and then secondly, it's really important because these ERG groups, there's a lot of expertise and knowledge within them. And we are really good sounding board for the organisation. We, you know, for them to test ideas with us, to collaborate and co-create with them to really ensure that we're pushing the organisation forward. And often we are a, a critical friend, I think, um, around difficult subjects as well. Um, but I think essentially, you know, it really does provide a sense of community and going back to the earlier question, drives the company culture as well. And I think tips for successful ERGs, I think it's really critical to get that strong steering group in place and not just be reliant on one or two key people doing everything because it's just not practical or sustainable. And a second to that, you need resources and support from the from the company to drive these initiatives. And you need strong leadership and governance as well. Um, those would be my three top areas. Amazing. Well, have a listen, everyone out there who's keen on implementing their own. So this leads me on to my last question. As I'm sure we're all aware, June was Pride Month, which saw a lot of celebration across the world. But um, I wanted to ask you, how can companies avoid tokenism and ensure that they are showing up for their LGBTQ plus employees all year round, not just during Pride Month? I think it's a really important question. There's been lots of discussion around this. I think from our point of view, it's about making sure that we move away from just being events program um, and just focusing on those key months of activities. It's actually embedding it within the organisation throughout, making sure that those voices and perspectives are factored in and round the table when you're developing your business plans, pre preparing materials, developing bespoke programmes, making sure you're working with different communities, not just the, the ones in front of you. Um, and that really then kind of creates a really positive culture within the organization and then secondly it's about changing the table really it's making sure that people within the organization are feeding in to strategy uh, and activities throughout the year so you're not just doing a tick box exercise in, in the month of June or around Black History Month because that really can be quite could be more damaging and then just lastly it's about showing up early not when it's just uh, the current fashion. It's about being there at the beginning and providing support for those communities uh, throughout. So you are showing up in the right way, in an authentic way, uh, which is, has more impact and meaning. Great. Amazing. I've, yeah, I heard a phrase the other day that said nothing about us without us. And I think, yeah, your point around having people sitting at the table, ensuring these policies are actually taking place is really important. So yeah, thank you so much for joining me today, Anita. It's been great to chat to you and I'd love to catch up with you later.
Yeah, it'd be great. It's been a great opportunity for us as well to share our, our thoughts and in our work around this. So, yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with Anita and hearing her comments on recruiting a diverse workforce definitely stood out to me. When companies end up recruiting the same people, they usually end up generating the same ideas. And this presents quite a gap in innovation and also leaves quite a bit of room for marginalised groups to slip under the radar, which is something that really needs to be avoided working in a realm such as the pharmaceutical industry and healthcare. This is actually a topic I got into for our International Women's Day episode earlier this year with Pallavi Bansal, who is the Associate Vice President of US Oncology, Genitourinary Cancers and Haematology at Merck. We discussed how it's really important to bring a diverse workforce to the table, especially when working on medicines, as these are the people that are going to know exactly where help is needed. I definitely recommend you listen to that episode. Showing up for the LGBTQ plus community all year round is also an incredibly important topic. We actually posted another podcast earlier this year to round off Pride Month back in June, in which myself and Isabel, when she was well, discussed how companies can avoid rainbow washing and drive a positive change both inside and outside of their organisations. And in this, we also covered some initiatives from BMS, GSK, Genentech and Pfizer during Pride Month. So do give that a listen if you're interested in the topic. And that sadly is all for today's podcast. Thank you again to Anita for coming onto the show and thank you for listening to just me this whole time. I hope you've not missed Isabel too much. She will be back next week for our next episode. So do keep an eye out for that. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss out. Until then, it's goodbye from me and I'll see you next time.